How to Manage the Gigantic Financial Cuckoo in Our Nest, October the 20th, 2009. A year ago, at the height of the financial panic, the world yearned for a profitable and confident financial sector. It now has what it wanted, but hates it, as joblessness soars and the hopes of hundreds of millions of people are blighted, the financial sector's survivors are thriving. Even bonuses are back. Policymakers have made a Faustian bargain. Success feels like failure. Yet success it has been. The stock market capitalization of banks has recovered to an enormous extent. This does more than indicate confidence in the future of the banks. It also facilitates the capital raising the banks must do, particularly, argues the International Monetary Fund's Global Financial Stability Report in the Eurozone. This recovery has been no accident. When central bank money is almost free, prices of risky assets are recovering and competitors have disappeared or are weakened, making money is a relatively simple matter for the stronger survivors. With earnings recovering, can bonuses be far behind? Alas, no. According to a recent note from the London-based Centre for Economics and Business Research, city bonuses will rise by 50% this year, though will remain 40% below 2007 levels. Yet few wish to take credit for this success. Policymakers hardly want to declare that thanks to their efforts, the surviving bankers will be buying palaces while humbler folk worry about their jobs and homes and face decades of fiscal austerity. Watching financiers, beneficiaries of the most generous public rescue in history, returning to their old ways is the cause not so much of envious of sullen resentment. Why, many wonder, should the rigours of the market apply most brutally to those innocent of causing the catastrophe? According to the IMF's World Economic Outlook, the outlay of advanced economies on capital injections, asset purchases, guarantees and liquidity provision amount to 30% of gross domestic product. Moreover, most financial entities, weak and strong, have benefited from this largesse. As Mervyn King, Governor of the Bank of England, noted in a speech on Tuesday, and I quote, to paraphrase a great wartime leader, never in the field of financial endeavour has so much money been owed by so few to so many, and, one might add, so far with little real reform. End of quote. I remain of the view that the only thing worse than rescuing the system would have been not to do so. Even two redoubtable critics, Peter Boone of the London School of Economics and Simon Johnson of the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, agreed in a recent piece for the New Republic that the, this was a decision we had to make. But such an exercise of sovereign power on behalf of a single industry has consequences. Adopting never again as a watchword must be among them. In truth, many governments may find it impossible to do this again, since they may soon reach the limits of creditworthiness. As Lawrence Summers, President Barack Obama's principal economic adviser, has insisted, we have been more than adequately warned. In a speech last week, he noted that, I quote, roughly every three years for the last generation, a financial system that was intended to manage, distribute and control risk has in fact been the source of risk with devastating consequences for workers, consumers and taxpayers, end of quote. Predictably, many in the industry are fighting regulation as hard as they can. In an interview with the FT, Marcus Agus 
Chairman of Barclays indicates perfectly what the backers of regulation are up against. His attack starts by insisting upon a level playing field across jurisdictions. He also argues against excessive capital requirements since, I quote, the next time the banking system wants capital, it won't be supplied if the potential new investors don't see the attraction, end of quote. Moreover, and I quote, one of the other consequences will be that credit will become more expensive and that is not conducive to a return to economic growth around the world, end of quotes. And he also insists that, and I quote again, banks should not be vilified for taking risks, end of quote. According to the IMF, write-downs on U.S. bank assets are going to be $604 billion against $814 billion for the entire eurozone and $1,025 billion for the U.S. Yet the U.S. economy is roughly six times as large as the U.K.'s. The U.K.'s cuckoos are simply too big. Regulation has to take these differences into account. Again, the argument that the banks will be unable to raise capital if returns are depressed reverses the logic. The only reason banks have to raise so much capital is that they took on too much risk in pursuit of unsustainably high returns. Yes, credit is likely to become more expensive with higher capital requirements, but credit supply was excessive and needs to be curbed. Finally, as Mr. King stresses, banks that are too big or important to fail cannot be expected to manage risk wisely. As he notes, and I quote, it is important that banks in receipt of public support are not encouraged to try to earn their way out of that support by resuming the very activities that got them into trouble. End of quote. In a market economy, the taking of risk is disciplined by bankruptcy, not underpinned by taxpayers. Imposing either a windfall tax or special curbs on bonuses is an understandable political response to what is happening. But since the aim of current policy has been to transfer money to banks, what is the point of taking it back again? And again, while undercapitalized institutions should not pay dividends or discretionary bonuses until they have reached their targets, do we really wish to see permanent controls on the levels of pay? The issue, surely, is whether incentives encourage excessive risk-taking, and that is where regulation should focus. We should not get diverted, either by the financial sector's opposition or by populist rage. We must focus instead on the core issue. Trying to make financial systems safer has so far made them more perilous. Today, as a result, neither market discipline nor regulation is effective. There is a danger, therefore, that this rescue will lead to still greater risk-taking and an even worse crisis at some point in the not-too-distant future. Either we impose a credible threat of bankruptcy or institutions we have to support are made safer, or, better, we have both of these. Open-ended insurance of weakly regulated institutions that take complex gambles is intolerable. We dare not return to business as usual. It is as simple and brutal as that. <laughs>